0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 378 with Tori Henderson. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 378. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms Tori Henderson is a shameless mom of two teens, a master certified life coach, a public school teacher, and the creator of lifecoachingforparents.com. She's helped hundreds of overworked and exhausted supermoms transform their parenting, their careers, and their lives. Tori is the host of the podcast Supermom is Getting Tired and is devoted to helping moms release the burdens and the guilt so they can truly enjoy this time of their lives. Listening to hear Tori share the connection between helicopter parenting and fear, noticing our feelings versus judging them and feeling guilt around our situations, how we can disconnect our identity from our children's successes, struggles, and failures, and recover from enmeshment with our kids, why we must let our children experience negative emotions. I know it's really hard. <laughs> this is a struggle for me as well as how to stop overparenting and do less for your children, especially teens. I love this conversation with Tori. I was recently on her show, so make sure you go check out her show, Supermom is Getting Tired, You can listen to that episode, that interview with me, and then make sure you listen to this episode and you'll get like a massive dose of Tori and Sarah, lots of fun, lots of energy and really great insights from two different conversations, but just I think a ton to learn from both and some fun in between for sure. We had some good laughs in these conversations. So with all that said, I'm so excited to have you join me for this conversation with Tori Henderson. Tori Henderson, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. This is going to be fun. We're going to have a lot to talk about. I just told you that I have been wearing my mommy superhero cape like loud and proud this week and feeling like I'm not fully owning it. So we'll just get to immediately dive into like what motherhood really looks like when super mom is getting tired and super mom is not feeling like she's doing her best work.
1: Right. Well, I call it super moms, but a lot of my clients would not call themselves super moms. Ooh, They're like, oh, I, I hope I am. I wish I was. And very often, what the way I define super mom is that it's like moms who go all in and like devote themselves so much and want so much to do the right thing that then they get exhausted and lost and overwhelmed from trying so hard and trying to, you know, I'm going to say perfectionistic parenting, you know, is yes. like that there's a right way and a wrong way and I want to do it right but it's like I want to do everything right. right. And so that's kind of how I define supermom and when, and I think there's a time and a place to put on your supermom cape like this might be your week to like <laughs> just suck it up and get it done and just power through but then The clients that I work with are moms who forget to hang up their cape, Mm. you know, and they just like, they don't know what it feels like to just take it off once in a while. And they just beat themselves up for not being super every moment of every day.
0: Right, right. And it's so interesting. I think as women, we are just. I won't speak for all women, but I'll speak for myself and many people that I know, that it's not only the supermom cape, but it's all the other roles that happen in conjunction with that. Yeah. So it's household manager and business owner or employee or sister or daughter, or it's like all the capes and all the roles. And I know for me, specifically this week, and we're recording this at the end of summer, it's been kind of a combination of all those roles and feeling like I can often put on one cape at a time. Time. But then, when you have a week where you're like, "Oh wait, I need 13 capes on at once," <laughs> like, this feels like a lot. <laughs> and I think that we tend to do that. We put on more and more capes for all these different roles in our life without asking for support or for help, and, and letting people see that we really don't have the capacity to put on another cape this week.
1: Yeah, and we don't even know we need help. Like we're just right. so caught up in like I got to get things done, yep. and it's I, you know we just go 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 go, and just like. I had a client say, like, I feel like a slave to my to do list, you yeah, know? Yeah, Where yeah. like the to do list is dragging us through our days and right, stuff. Right. So it can really take a hold and we don't even realize that until, you know, kind of like all of a sudden we kind of wake up, like, gosh, I'm not really like enjoying my life. <laughs> or like right. I feel, or like somebody asks you a question, I'm like, what do you want? And you're like, I don't know the answer to that, (laughs) Yes, you know? And so sometimes it kind of catches up with us too late. We just think we're being a good mom and taking care of business. And we don't realize that we're just exhausting ourselves because we haven't taken a chance to like step out of the weeds and go like, am I really like fully engaged in the moments of
0: my life and doing what I want to be doing? Exactly. Exactly. So let's back up a little bit. Tell us your current kid situation and a little bit about your journey in motherhood and maybe specifically around like expectations versus reality. That's always a a fun place to
2: start. start.
1: (laughs) So I am currently living with two teenagers, okay, which is an adventure in itself. And uh, for me, it started because like I was a teacher. I read parenting books for fun. Like I've always been obsessed with child development and human development and what's appropriate and normal. Like I just loved kids and my background was I taught sex education for parents and kids to take together. So I taught these classes where it was like, you know, helping parents kind of overcome their own obstacles, and like talk about uncomfortable subjects. Mm. So I thought, When I became a mom, I would be like, this would be easy for me. This was a natural progression. I babysat, I did it. You know, I did yard duty, I did everything you can think of to prepare myself for parenting. And then my first son is born, and it's like, oh my gosh, like I went straight into the land of crazy, as I call
0: it. (laughs) And I I have to interject for a second because I had a similar. So I worked at a psychiatric hospital for seven years in my, like two careers ago, but uh-huh. I always thought like, obviously I'm going to be an amazing parent because, the, and I also went through school to become a teacher, which I never ended up doing that because I worked at the hospital instead, but I entered parenting thinking like, well, I mean, I already have all the tools, so we're good. <laughs> and then my child was born. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, yeah. I don't have any of the
1: tools. <laughs> I was like, for me, it was, I don't have any instincts. Like, I just kept devouring information, like thinking there, because, you know, and I now can look back and say, like, I was very perfectionistic. I wanted to do it right. If I was going to do anything in my life right, it was going to be parenting. Mm -hmm. But there was no right or wrong. And you read one parenting book and it would contradict the other parenting book. And it was like, I didn't know how to listen to my own inner wisdom And so I just was like scrambling, just like working hard, constantly trying to figure out how to do everything right. And of course, my definition of what does a good mom do was, you know, she's, holds her baby every second of every day and she never lets him cry and her house is perfectly clean and she's always healthy meals and it was like very you know extreme perfectionism
0: right so of
1: course I got exhausted lost overwhelmed so of course I am my own first client (laughs) I work with people that are you know kind of find themselves in situations like me where it's like we want to do the right thing but there isn't the answers out there And, you know, we wear ourselves out in the process because we don't know how to, like, trust our gut or listen to our instincts or just feel okay when there is imperfection around you. Mm. Because, of course, my kid was not a perfect baby and he cried all the time and he had, you know, sensory motor integration and he was sensitive to sounds and all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, I'm not doing a good job as a mom. Yeah. And my solution for feeling insecure was to work harder.
0: Oh, I'm like thinking right now, everyone's like, oh, shoot, that's what I do. (laughs) I think that's such a common solution rather than we ignore our gut and to the point that we can't identify what our gut is ever telling us. I think that just women in general do that. And then we just tell ourselves we need to work harder all the time. And what an amazing recipe for like anxiety and (laughs) depression and marital
1: distress. (laughs) Yes. And what I think what bothers me is when people talk about like helicopter parenting, Mm. right? Like this is such a derogatory term. And yet, you know, we're all helicopter parents because that's our culture. But it's not that we're domineering. It's that we're scared. We're scared of being a bad mom. And so we're trying to do it right. And we deserve compassion, not judgment.
0: So that term really kind of bothers me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that perspective. So where do you see moms needing, and I guess I'm going to back up and share that when my son was really little, I didn't know where I needed support because it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember having this conversation with my husband when he was really little. And when my son was really little, my husband said, I want to help you, but you need to tell me what you need. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. what I need. So I just said, well, I need you to just ask me every day what I need. And it's going to maybe be different every day, but I need you to just ask me like every single day forever <laughs> and, because I just didn't know. And so I'm curious yeah. where you see mom's needing the most support and how can we start to even identify like in clue into our gut instincts again because i really think that we are i think women are trained to ignore our instincts in order to be of service to others and yeah. that's not think- in our best interest <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i love what you know you said you're your husband i think that's brilliant if you have a supportive husband who's willing to like catch you in the act and be like okay, you need to step away from the children, Like, go for a walk, like, leave the house, I got this, like, so that can be really helpful. Another thing I've had my clients do that I learned, of course, firsthand, was I would think about like, what is it I would love to hear my husband say to me? And then I would write it on a little three by five card and hand it to him when he walked in the door. Oh, My favorite was because he came, he actually said this on his own. I was like, Oh my God, that's the perfect thing I needed to hear. So I didn't know it until he said it. But then I started writing it, and I would have him write, I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do what you do all day long. Mm. I'm just like, Oh, my whole body just softened and relaxed. Like, yeah. that's what I needed to hear. But the other thing is that I want parents to know is that your negative emotions are coming from your higher self. You know, a lot of times we feel crappy, we feel lost, we feel tired, we get frustrated and annoyed and irritated, and instead of just recognizing, like, hey, this is a sign that I'm out of balance, this is a sign that something's going on inside my head that's not helpful, instead, we just go to guilt. We're like, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be a better parent? Why do I keep yelling at my kids? Why am I so frustrated? With-? Like, we ask ourselves some really
0: bad questions. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. And the questions that we would never ask there? other people. Like, if a girlfriend came to us to say they were struggling with something, we would never be like, well, why can't you just do better, try harder, you know, like, yeah. buck up. Or
1: like, what's wrong with you? Why are you Frustrated by your children.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Never say that. Instead of saying, like, okay, I notice that I'm feeling tired. I notice I'm feeling, you know, lost, overwhelmed. Let's pay attention to that and figure out why and trust that that's coming from a higher place and it's leading us somewhere. When we go to guilt, it moves us to inaction. So the first step is to get rid of the guilt, because that's a waste of time, energy, spirit. And it's keeping you from
0: actually making beneficial changes, in my opinion. That makes a ton of sense. I talk a lot about data collection. And so being a data collector where you are notice, and that's along your lines of noticing. So noticing something and being like, oh, hmm, this didn't work well at all. Or I really don't like this about, you know, our naptime routine or our dinner routine or whatever the thing is. And then collecting the data, like every time, you know, A plus B equals C rather than why can't I ever get it right? Why does everyone else do it better than me? Like all these other things that are judgment laden. Exactly. Um, just collecting yes. the Be data.
1: Curious. Yes. Be neutral and scientific about it. <laughs> (laughs) don't be judgmental and yes yeah
0: yes I swear it's like, around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So let's talk about thriving in motherhood. How can we thrive more? I mean, we've talked about a few things already, but where do you see opportunities for moms to thrive and what are specific action steps that we can take?
1: I think I believe that, you know, we all are planted with certain inclinations, certain interests, certain proclivities. And our job as humans is to figure out what those things are and then pursue them and what's exciting is that, like, as we do this, as we pay attention to what lights me up, what seems like fun, what feels delicious to me, when we pay attention to that stuff and we honor and respect it, we model for our kids how to do the same. Mm. So, like, I can't even relate to, like, well, I'll have conversations. My, I got, you know, teenagers, so they're talking about college. What should I major in? where should I go to college? And it's like... Oh my gosh, to me, it's like so obvious because I've learned myself and I've practiced it and I've taught my children how to listen to those signs, you know? And so a lot of times we think, we just have this like invisible rule book of like, this is what a good mom would do. And our moms wrote in it, culture writes in it, commercials and advertising and Pinterest have written in it, right? Like, yeah. (laughs) Oh, like this is what it looks like to be a good mom. And we're very, we're sold on it. We're like, this must be it. So I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to do this. And my house is going to be immaculate and it's going to, you know, look like a <laughs> designer home and my kids will be well-behaved and clean and organized and they'll eat healthy and they'll get good grades. And, and they'll, you know, as they go into adolescence, you know, very often, <laughs> well, this what happens is like our kids. When kids are little, we're like, okay, they really are so super cute and sweet and lovely. And they have friends and they're clean and they smell nice. So I must be doing a good job as a mom. And then they get into puberty and it's like, oh, they don't smell good anymore.
0: (laughs) They don't look good anymore. Oh my gosh, yes. And how is this a reflection on me?
1: Their friendships are drama-laden. Their grades are in the toilet. They're stressed out. They're insecure. I get so many parents are like, "What do I do? My 13 year old isn't very confident." I'm like, "Really, 13? <laughs> like, nobody's confident at right. 13." But we right. see it as a, a problem because that we need to solve mm. so that we can think that we're a good mom. Yeah, we can feel confident in ourselves, and so rather than like putting our ability to think our, we're a good mom into the hands of our children we've got to say like, okay, I'm going to pay attention to me and what lights me up and what are my interests and how can I, you know, follow them and pursue them while raising children and know that they're watching every move I make and watching me go after my dreams and, you know, do hard things and do things I'm scared and like put up with my own embarrassment to, I mean, the first time I told somebody I wanted to be a life coach, I started crying. Like,
0: (laughs) I "I think I kind of sort of want to be a life coach. Don't tell anybody. This is so embarrassing. I'm like, so, like, why am I crying? (laughs) It was like,
1: it's scary. And so, you know, if you want your 13-year-old to say, like, I think I kind of sort of want to go out for the lead in the school play, like, that's scary stuff yeah. to stand out amongst your peers. Totally. But the way that they get the confidence is idly from watching, you know, mom overcome her fears and, yeah. and follow her passions. Not that they have to be the same, right? That you're just following your passions.
0: Right. So how do we disconnect our identity from our kids' success or failures or our kids' identity? So, and I would put this in the context of not that we don't want to feel proud if our kids are doing great things, but... Uh, if our kids are struggling or, and I mean, that could mean in an academic sense, it could be in a social sense. It could be like, they're just gross and stinky and we're horrified to be around them in front of other people. Like, how can we disconnect ourselves from that? Cause we, it is, we definitely internalize that. And I'll use an example that from just recently. I talked about on Instagram, my son, to this point has been comfortable with me picking out his clothes and shoes and what have you. And he started to get a little more picky. And then the other day I went to get him shoes for back to school and I was just going to get him like some super cool vans and he wanted these hideous light up sketchers. And I was like, I don't want other parents to see him. in like, And I knew as soon as I had the thought, I was like, that's so dumb. But, but I was like, no, like I want my kid to be the kid with the cool vans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so, so it starts so control. young. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, if I'm like, even having these thoughts when he's six, what is it going to be like when he's 16? And he decides to grow out his hair and doesn't take a shower for four days and making all sorts of decisions that I'm not a lo- in love yeah.
1: with. Wait till they like just stop brushing their teeth at age no. 13. And you're like <laughs> a month later, you're like, your teeth are yellow. <laughs> it's like, we went over that when you were two. right? It is definitely, it's so, I mean, I think awareness is obviously like the, so important, but it's like, I remember watching my son play volleyball. He was like 14, is a freshman and he's serving and he's just missing every single, so I guess not every single serve, but he kept missing because you don't serve in a row. But like, I would, I felt embarrassed when he would miss the serve mm. and I'm like, why am I embarrassed? Right, right. You know, like, it's not me. He's not embarrassed at all. He's like an athlete. He understands the game is you got to fail if you're going to succeed. And I'm just sitting on the sidelines going, oh, he's letting down the team? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Tori. Like, we've got to let this
0: go. Right. But I think that's probably really common. I think that's probably super common. I actually was listening to some other woman who podcast two moms and they were talking about one of the daughters in basketball never passes the ball. And so then she feels like, oh, all the parents are going to hate my kid because my daughter is hogging the ball and not giving the other kids playtime. And she was like the same thing where you're like, oh my God, is everyone going to hate me or hate my kid? Like, it's just this whole weird emotional thing. And when you look at it from the outside, you're like, that's ridiculous. But when you're in it, it feels super uncomfortable. (laughs) Oh, no, and it, you're right. It's from the
1: time they're really little, you know, when they got their finger up their nose, you're like embarrassed. <laughs>
0: yes, totally.
1: To what they're wearing, to what they say to their friends. You're just like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Or right. even, you know, say to grandma or whatever. Right. Like, what, it's just the way they behave, what, we just embarrassment just right. kind of like comes with it. And so, it's a sign that your identity is enmeshed, right? That mm. like you're over identifying with your child. Yes, such a and good so, term. <laughs> one of the signs that like, it's time to, you know, really work on this step it up, because you can kind of it's your own, you know, well, well, we'll get there. One of the signs is when your kid starts pushing back, and like, leave me alone, like, usually, you know, 1314, they're kind of like, Okay, mom, you know, your work here is done. Bye bye. Right, right. <laughs> And then you really got to separate because those years, 13 14, is where we see so much of like kids are embarrassed of their parents, right? And parents are embarrassed of their kids. <laughs>
0: The kids don't realize it goes both ways. <laughs>
1: like, they're messed with us, too. Like, they're like, my daughter's like, Mom, you are not wearing that out in public, you know? Like, so, like, she's judging me because she sees me as a reflection on her. Right. So, you can really see it at those ages. But it yeah. certainly starts when they're younger, too, you know? And so, the what I do with my clients is I ha- have them ask, like, okay, imagine. So, here's a big common one is your child is playing video games for you know, six straight hours, I don't know, right? Your, your daughter's just scrolling on her phone, laying on the couch for like hours on end. That, we don't see that as anything positive, right? In our brains, we're like, that's not a good thing to be doing. And the reason it bothers us whether they're missing a serve in volleyball or because they're you know, wearing goofy outfits or because they're just playing too many video games or they're not getting good grades or whatever it is. The reason we feel embarrassed is because we are making that mean that I'm not doing my job as a mom. Right. So it's always comes back to us. Like if I was a good mom, I would teach him not to pick his nose. You know, a good mom would have a son who doesn't miss, you know, the goals in soccer. Like it's just silly. But like we think that, oh, there's more I have to do. I've got to put on my cape and I've got to work. And now I need to teach my kid how to be respectful to authority or whatever. It's like, and not to say sometimes there is a point of intervention, but it's when we feel embarrassed that we are taking it on and making it mean something about us, right? And something negative, something we're ashamed of. It's, you know, shame is like a doozy of an emotion. Nobody likes feeling shame. Mm-hmm. So whenever we feel shame or embarrassment, we avoid it. And so rather than feeling embarrassed, we try to get our kids to change. You need to get off your phone. You need to stop playing video games. You need to wear better outfits. We kind of get mad. So when you notice yourself kind of like I used to do this when I was, like, late. I'd be driving in the car, my little one's in the back watching every move, of course. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was late. I'm so stupid. I should have gone the other way. Like, what's wrong Mm. with me? And so when I get into that mode where I'm just, like, snappy and aggravated and frustrated, I'm trying not to feel embarrassed. Right. I'm avoiding the emotion or shame because I think that I'm a bad, mean person for showing up late to something. Right. And so it's always kind of that own inner talk that we have that's, you know, keeps us. I mean, so we snap at our kids, but it's really because we're trying to avoid a negative emotion because we think I'm not doing my job as a parent or now there's just more I have to do.
0: And it really goes back to noticing. I mean, what we talked about in the beginning, noticing our feelings, collecting that data and being like, oh, I'm noticing that I'm feeling horrified by my child's behavior or appearance or what have you right now. And so I need to like spend a minute thinking about this and Get collecting the data rather than judging, feeling guilty, et cetera, feeling shame to look at really what this means versus like, does this make me a bad person?
1: <laughs> right. Like, what am I making it mean about me right. that my child didn't make the team, that my child got a bad grade? Right. What am I making it mean about me? And there's always some element in there of. You know, there's more I have to do because you know we're already overworked. So right? I really don't want more. And that's a big one when we see our kids like being lazy. You know, we see them laying around on their yeah. phones. We're like, if they would just stress out, then I could relax.
0: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <I don't know.
1: laughs> and it's like we can't stand to see them relax because we don't allow ourselves to be relaxed.
0: Oh my gosh, that's
1: like if we're sitting on the couch point. scrolling on our phone for two hours, we would be beating ourselves to a pulp, right? Right. We can't allow them to do it.
0: Oh, such a good point. I'm totally thinking about, like, I'm going to like have to hold on to that until Vinny's a teenager because I know I'm going to be really annoyed with him when he's yeah. around <laughs> just looking relaxed all the time when I'm not.
1: Yes. It is so crazy. It's kind of like, you know, when you're uh, running late and you're like, come on, kids, we got to go, hurry up. Or we're going to be late, get in the car. And your kid's like
0: dragging oh, their heels. This is my morning every single day.
1: And it drives us crazy. Right. We're just like, Oh, yes. my God. And even if they just like started running around frantically,
0: it makes us feel better. We're like, okay, phew, your yeah. stance. Right, <laughs> right. But so funny. Yeah, because I always I'm, I'm like, I don't want to be the parent that's always saying hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. So I'm trying to find like different ways. And I also don't want him to think that I'm always running late, even though I often am five minutes late. So I'm always trying to be like covert about my tactics around like, managing the chaos of we need to make up five minutes of time in this walk that is at least a 10 minute walk and how are oh we going to do that <laughs>
1: so. or we could just let ourselves be late <laughs> right
0: yes <Yeah, so laughs> or we could so when we when vinnie was in preschool the preschool was across the street from our house and we were the last family to arrive every single day in a preschool <laughs> of like probably i don't know 50 kids or something <laughs> we were the last ones because we but had this, babe, what do you make that mean about you well i kind of i finally just started embracing it I was like, yeah. And the thing is, we like we had to be there at 9. It wasn't like we were getting up at 8.45. Like I was getting up at 6 a.m. We had had a whole entire day before we got over there, yet we still could not get there at 9 o'clock. We were always there at 9.05. <laughs> wow. And so I just finally was like, it's because we have so many things to accomplish before we get to school. And I kind of, I mean, Vinny didn't care. And it was preschool. Like, it wasn't really that big of a well, deal.
1: Do you want a quick tip to yeah, tell get it out the door faster? So very often what happens is they're in their own world, right? We're trying to bring them into our world. It's like, come on, we got to go to school. You know, school starts at nine. got to walk, blah, 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 let's go. If you enter their world, it's so much easier to get them out the door. Mm. So let's say they're like playing with some toy, you know, like little people or something or little, I don't know, bionicles. You move into their world and be like, oh, hello, what's your name? I like to do this hey, let's go for a, let's fly in the air. And we just kind of fly through the air. Then we fly out the door and into the car or whatever. And you just move so they can stay in their world you just bring their world where you want it to go. And it's so much faster.
0: Yeah, I love that. Okay, so that <laughs> means I have to get, enter Lego world every yeah. morning. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter Lego land. <laughs> there
1: you go. It works for little kids, right? When they're right. in that imagination. Because that's usually why little kids have a hard time. They don't want to come into our world. Our world's right. stressful. <laughs> yeah, not nearly as fun. Oh, so,
0: pleasant. so, you touched on parents experiencing negative emotions a few minutes ago. And let's talk about kids experiencing negative emotions. This is a huge struggle, I think. And so I have an only child, and I don't know that that makes me unique in this way, but I feel like maybe because he's my only, I'm more conscious, I-, I think I see his negative emotions more than if I had like four kids. He probably have a lot of negative emotions I would miss But <laughs> because I see every single thing that he processes. I feel sometimes that I am particularly quick to leap in if I feel my child might be experiencing a negative emotion. And I recognize that that might be a massive disservice to him. So why is it important for our children to experience negative emotions?
1: Yeah, I think we all, I think this is a page in this invisible how to be a good mom book that we all have that are somehow we picked up this idea from our culture that our kids are supposed to be happy all day. Every day, <laughs> right? From now until the end of time. Like, we really do want that. Like, it's, and it's just, we think that that's what we're supposed to create. That a happy kid means I'm doing my job. And, you know, we're wired biologically to react to a negative emotion because, you know, if a baby's crying, it could be a life or death situation. Right. And so, it's okay that we react to it and we pay attention to it. That's part of our biology. Um, But then when you see, you know, kind of what it's about and it's not a life or death situation, you know, what I think is important is to help our kids have access to the full range of emotions. Mm. We always kind of wish that we could just pick and choose. Like, I want to feel happy, excited, and (laughs) <laughs> but totally, I don't to totally. feel like embarrassed or ashamed or angry or disappointed or sad. Like we don't get to pick and choose. You either have access to all your emotions or none of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when our emotions are really big and strong and you know negative, we tend to push them on down, push them underwater. We don't want to feel it. And so what that does is it distances us from our positive emotions as well. Mm-hmm. So. The level of joy that you feel when you also allow yourself to feel sadness just goes right up. Like it's, I mean, I know this firsthand because I was one of those people who pushed my emotions down and I, you know, just kind of stayed on the surface and I just didn't go there and I didn't look underneath the water. And as I started allowing myself, to, I learned how to process a feeling, how to feel a feeling. And it doesn't take long and it's not hard. And I started doing it like over and over again and, and like allowing myself to feel all these things I was scared to feel. Oh my gosh. Like I would just be like the level of relaxation I felt, the level of joy I felt was so exponential that I feel because I had that experience, it's easy for me to then recognize that my kids need that also So it's so much of this is like experiencing it for yourself first and then recognizing, oh yeah, like allowing yourself to feel disappointed is so powerful because it's also then allowing you to feel joy. Now there's a difference between expressing negative emotions for a long period of time versus feeling a feeling. Feeling a feeling, allowing yourself to feel a negative emotion takes 90 seconds. Uh, You can you know, throw a temper
0: tantrum for hours. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yes. I'm sure none of us have seen that ever happen though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, sometimes kids can kind of get stuck in their negative emotion, and you don't need to let them stay stuck there. You can say like, oh yes, that's so disappointing. Like, I'm so sorry that that, you know, having that must've been so hard. You got your feelings hurt. Oh yeah. And you're compassionate for like 90 seconds. Okay. I'm going to set the timer and when the timer goes off, you're going to be done. Did just yeah. set a boundary. It's weird how well it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, okay. <laughs> that's super interesting. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the,
2: must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey?
1: <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better.
0: So I want to go back when you talk about feeling we can feel our positive emotions on a much greater level if we allow ourselves to experience our negative emotions. So I'm assuming you mean over like a larger context. So not just because I'm allowing myself to feel a deeply negative emotion right now. Am I also going to simultaneously or shortly thereafter feel a positive emotion? But over time that we have a greater landscape or spectrum of being able to access all emotions in different situations. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, certainly,
1: you know, like moments of happiness. Then, you have know, like so I get a lot of clients who come to me and say, like, I should be enjoying this more. Like, I have the life I wanted. I've got everything I always, you know, I, I created the life I have. Why am I not enjoying it more? Okay. And so that's kind of where... Allowing yourself to feel all the well the couple things one is allowing yourself to feel the full range of emotions right. will certainly help you increase that level of joy for something you 're already you know happy about, but the other thing is that sometimes we have bought into this book of what 's supposed to make us happy, mm-hmm. and we actually aren 't listening to what really makes us happy and what we really want because when we think about what we really want, sometimes we have judgments around it. Yeah. You know, like I, I, one of the things I encourage my mommies to do, some of them, if they, a lot of times what they need the most is they need solitude to hear their own voice, right? So yeah. kids stop asking parents, like nobody asks us, like what do you want to do today, mom? And what do you feel like eating? And what do you want to wear? Like nobody's asking us what we want. Right. And so we stop asking ourselves, and we just get into this kind of robotic zombie mode of just going through the motions. And so what I think notice is a, little, a lot of my clients is the best way to recalibrate and tune back into that is to go be by yourself for a while yes. and to be alone so that you can hear your own voice. And so one of the homework assignments I assign my clients sometimes is to check into a hotel for two nights by themselves. If, it, if they get a very strong feeling for it. Of course, the, some, it's not right for everybody, but some people are like, oh my God, that would be heaven. Yes, I yes. could never do that. Right? I actually like have that's... an
0: increasing number of people in my different communities who do this on a regular basis, and I think it is so brilliant.
1: It's heaven because yeah. you're alone for that whole <laughs> day in between, and you have to tune into yourself, right? Yes. Like, And you can hear your own voice in your head of like, when, when am I hungry? Do I feel like eating? What do I feel like eating? What do I feel like doing? Right. And it's just like recalibrating and getting back in touch with that. It's really hard to kind of live your best life when you don't even know what you want. Right. So that for me is often like a really powerful first step. For a mom who feels lost and overwhelmed is to go check in a hotel for two nights and so you get that middle day in between and just listen again. But a lot of people have concerns about that, judgments about that. I have a like I would die on the sword before I'd let myself have time myself like that, you know? Like, what would people think? And just so much like that's not what a good mom
0: would oh, do. That's so interesting. That's wow. like surprising to me. It's, you know, depends on what's written in their manual. <clears throat> yeah, you know, but yeah. It's like Oh, I could never do that. I Because
1: a good mom would sacrifice herself for the mm-hmm. kids. A good mom would, you know, prioritize their children's needs all the time over their own. So, in, and then we just kind of stay, you know, in this martyr. It's kind of this right. martyr role. Right. Like, I'm, I'm a good mom, but I'm suffering.
0: Right. Yeah. So do you think there's a cultural shift around what quote unquote a good mom does and giving moms the space and grace to have an identity outside of motherhood? Or do you think there is, because I think when someone enters into a community like mine, that's called the shameless mom Academy, Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a You know, unspoken prerequisite that these are women who are ready to live a little, you know, more shamelessly and more unapologetically. And so I think Mm -hmm. I probably see people who are ready. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, they're ready to embrace this identity of like, I do not live and die by my children or my partner. And you might not be seeing that. So I'm curious, do you see that like, you know, for the most part, women do feel like they should always prioritize family and marriage over their own needs or do you feel like it's shifting where there's more awareness around moms having an independent identity and, t- and putting their needs before their children's or family?
1: I think, yeah, I think you're seeing more of that cultural shift and I'm seeing the other end because they're just coming in but I do see, like I, I get a lot of moms who are breadwinners. Like I live, mm-hmm. you know, in the San Francisco Bay Area, in Silicon Valley, like I get a lot of moms who are, you know, very driven career women supporting the family as well and so... What happens, I think, is but, uh, so when we are used to like kind of beating ourselves up for not being good enough, like, I should be more, I should be better. And so, you know, you are like in the in the career field. You're in school. You're like, okay, I do really well in school. I get good grades. I know how to be successful. And then you translate that to work, and you're like, okay, I know how to be successful. This is great. And then you translate to motherhood, I'm like, okay, the successful mom has these, you know, great kids, and they might have helpers, they might have house cleaners and nannies and stuff like that. But they're still in that kind of race mm-hmm. to like be a really good mom and career woman. And you know, yeah, why? Yeah. And then they start doing like life coaching, or they find your podcast. And like, oh, like I should be living my best life. And then they start beating themselves up for not living their best life and feeling self-actualized and being like, I should be more shameless than I am, you know? <laughs> yeah, a whole new layer of guilt. <laughs> and so, so I'm guilty for
0: not being shameless. I'm guilty for like...
1: <laughs> we gotta watch out for that. And yeah. like undo that original programming around like, I'm not good enough as I am. Yes, totally. That's such a great... And I mean, that's where I think your podcast is doing. A really good service of yeah. saying, like, wait a second, like, there's lots of ways to be a good mom. It doesn't have to look a certain way. And it's, you know, more important about how I'm feeling and rather than like, you know, doing everything
0: right and perfect. Right. Okay. So t- let's talk about over parenting and what does that mean? Where do you see it happening? And why is doing less a great parenting strategy? <laughs> So overparenting, it's,
1: I mean, I can see it because I have teenagers. So like I'm surrounded by the overparenting when it comes to the teen years, mm-hmm. especially. And it's really, like I said, it's more like fearful parenting. Mm. So what happens is, you know, moms, we, we get really invested in our kids. We love raising kids. We, we join the PTAs and we join the carpools and And we're doing all the sports, and we're, like, super involved, and, you know, we have careers, but this can become, like, a a social community for us. It can become part of identity, right? Right. And we enjoy it, and we kind of, this is our role, and it feels good to be taking care of others and to be, you know, like, I don't know, part of a community. It feels really good. So what happens is then when they start getting older and into adolescence, and they start saying, sorry, mom, you're done here. (laughs) your work here is done i don't need you anymore is we get scared of kind of losing that that identity that community that culture of like oh no no you want me at every soccer game i'm pretty sure you do because i'm i'm the snack mom and i bring the stuff and those are my friends so like you know i'm still going
0: to go <laughs> <laughs> i'll just be right over here sitting here by myself while you pretend i'm not here
1: Yeah, you know, it really—it's just—it's—it's that has really changed culturally. Like I remember in the '80s, like watching like after-school specials—is that what they're called? Yeah, like these little like yeah after-school little movies, and they would just, or maybe it's the '90s, but it, they'd be like, "Oh, he's a bad mom because he didn't show up to watch your s- baseball games," and oh, wow. you know, like, "Oh, if I could have anything, I would want my, you know, dad to watch me play." And it was like this, like social programming. And now, boy, did we take that hook line and sinker, and we're like super involved now. Right, right. So yeah, so I think you know this can t- then translate into overparenting, where it's like, "Oh, my kid needs me," and also this idea that they shouldn't experience negative emotions so if they have a problem with a teacher like oh i can step in and fix that like that feels good to us yeah i can solve this problems so yeah let me have it i can email the teacher no problem we'll get this taken care of right away i don't want you to have a negative emotion or negative experience mm-hmm. mom's on it <laughs> you know and so this kind of can keep translating through you know high school and into college even and which is what you know we're seeing as kind of a, a trend where it's like the kids then become dependent on the parent to bail them out. They either push back and then, you know, that's hard for mommies because they have to let go um, or they become dependent on it and they have trouble making their own decisions. They have trouble knowing like, what should I major in? Do I want to smoke pot? I'm not sure, you know, and it's just, they kind of wait to be uh, rescued and it feels good to us to rescue. So it can be a really tricky pattern to get stuck in. Yeah. But I just kind of like to remember that, you know, our goal is to raise an adult. And, you know, that, that really can make their own decisions. And sometimes, like, letting go, even if they're experiencing negative emotion or a negative experience, like, that's how they learn. That's how they – because right now, like, if we're kind of over-parenting They know mom is strong, mom is tough, mom is capable, mom is responsible, mom will get the job done. They don't know that they are strong, they are capable, they can be resilient, and they can get the job
0: done. So that's an important clarification.
1: Yeah. So it feels good to us to do that, but letting go gives them that feel-good feeling that we want them to have.
0: Right. So how do we know, how do we distinguish and I say this as a parent who imagines myself to be as someone who will probably want to be a rescuer <laughs> when my son is a teen, how do we distinguish between those times when we're like, I shall let him fight this battle own this battle versus like me stepping in. Um, and I'm thinking around situations, you know, and uh, a disagreement with a teacher over a grade or, you know, something, or something around a, t- you know, getting, playing time on a basketball court or things like that, where we, Um, decide when we need to step in and when we should encourage our kids to be their own self-advocates?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I think the the answer is always, they, you know, let them be their own (laughs) self-advocates. You know, like even if it's just encouraging them or helping role-playing with them, giving them the words and the vocabulary to use, practicing, telling them like, oh, I trust you to work it out, Mm -hmm. you know? And then if they choose not to, that's their business. But to answer your first question, I think... I remember how how to know is I remember this one day, my daughter came home from school. She's like maybe first or second grade and I'm in the kitchen with my, my older son, my mother-in-law and myself and my daughter's sitting there at the table doing her homework. She's like, I can't figure this out. I don't know what to do. This is lame. (laughs) That
0: would, uh, my son already says that. And he's all
1: three of us are just like, must help Megan. Like, (laughs) like it was like this Urgency and this, like, I call it the helping tick, where it's Mm. just like this reaction of like, I must help you now. And it was funny to see all because I would do that normally. I'm like, Oh, you need me? I'm here. Right. (laughs) But my son had it, and my mother-in-law, and so to see all three of us jumping in to help her, I was like, Aha! This is about us, not about her. (laughs) Right. This is not helping her. And so I think how to know is when you have that like impulse, that reaction where it's just like, I can help you with this must have been now that speed and urgency Mm -hmm. is your sign that it's self serving, not. Oh, that's a
0: really great tip. And and also, I'm like, shoot, because I'm a very reactive person. So this is going to be a struggle for me. (laughs) But that's such a great tip, though, because it really requires us to practice again. Notice to notice our responses, um, and notice how quick we are to respond to things. I that's I think that's really really helpful.
1: And to be forgiving, like yeah. to know that, like, okay, this is my, you know, you have the helping tick, right? <laughs> we can be compassionate <laughs> towards people with ticks, right? Right. Like, that's just how right. they react, and that's okay. Totally. And so that compassion, whenever we can offer ourselves compassion. Like literally you can feel a softening of the muscles. Mm-hmm. When you offer yourself compassion, like, you know, your breathing slows down. And it's, then it just becomes so much easier to be like, Oh yeah, that's that's what I do. I right. tend to jump in right. and that's okay. And then it slows us down and we're not as likely to react and it gives us that time to like think about like how can I help, you know, encourage my child to like solve this problem and you can say things like, you know, yeah, that's that's a doozy of a problem. How are you gonna fix that? Oh, I love it. <laughs>
0: That's not my instinct. I'm like so <laughs> taking notes right now. Like, okay, remember when Vinny's 12? <laughs> yeah, I do think that a lot of people like have
1: like school-aged kids, you know, they're a little bit older. And so, but yes, yeah, the preschool years are also filled with, you know, just it's almost like different issues, you know?
0: Yeah, but it's also, it's really helpful to identify these patterns now. So if I know that I'm someone to help jump in and help him right now, when he has like math fact worksheets to do um to recognize like oh wait i'm probably also going to be the parent like on a school project where the first moment he's faltering i'll be like let me help you let's fix it together i'm all in and that, like you said that's not beneficial
1: the way they show up as preschoolers is very often what you'll see in adolescence so it is so if he's one who likes to be rescued if he likes you know like some kids kind of like Claim helplessness, like I can't do it, and they're like, arms are flailing, they're not even trying. Some kids, that's kind of their MO, and so that combined with the parent with the helping tick, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, mine I think so is like, gonna be more the perfectionist, um, that he doesn't want to do things he's not really good at, and so that's where I think that it's not even an asking for help thing as much as it's like, well, this is really hard and I hate it and I can't do it, so I'm not gonna do it. And when it really is like stuff he can totally do. Right, right. And so then yeah. I want to jump in and like coach him through it and be like, that's, you can do right. it. And it doesn't that's have to be perfect. Goal. And I believe in you. And then, uh, which none of which he wants to hear. <laughs>
1: So. Yeah, it's like we just like we read the whole growth mindset book. We're like totally we just to, like, put it in their brains and be like, no, 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 that's not how you're supposed to think about <laughs> right. So, yeah, when you it's hard, almost harder when you have all this knowledge and information, right. and then you see your kid acting in a way you're like, wait, I can totally fix that in like, you know, give me 30 minutes of your time and yeah. you'll be done. Yeah, it's it makes it that much harder,
0: right. Oh, this has been it's, so fascinating, Tori. I feel like I just got a massive glimpse into my future. I'm so grateful. Um, I've gotten like pre-therapy. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> but I know this has been really helpful for people listening with kids of a variety of ages, whether they're right in it right now with teenagers or they're, you know, at the beginning, earlier phases like I am. This has just been really amazing. So I want to know before we wrap up in what ways you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. I
1: think... <laughs> by respecting, I think I, I want to say by respecting that I really do want to do everything perfectly, that, that, as much as I wish I didn't like I, what I found really helps me the most is to be compassionate to that part of myself. That's like, oh, I know you want to do everything perfectly and you want your kids to do everything perfectly. And you want them to just be these happy self actualized people that move through the world with confidence and ease and like, I get it, honey. Like, <laughs> I, just, I just kind of talk to myself in a very kind voice and just kind of admit my, you know, hang ups, I guess, with perfectionism, rather than saying I shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't want to be perfectionistic. It's like, no, 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 it's okay. I get it. You want to be perfect. And that's okay.
0: (laughs) Yes. Noticing, always noticing. I love it. This has been fantastic, Troy. I'm so grateful for you for your time and for your work. Tell our listeners where they can find you and connect with you.
1: So you can go to lifecoachingforparents.com. That's my website. You can get a free like discovery call if you need some help walking through any of this, these you know exciting, fun issues that show up for us. You awesome. can also listen to uh, my podcast. It's called Supermom is Getting Tired,
0: and that's on iTunes. I love the title of the show. <laughs> <laughs> you relate to the title yes, of the show. <laughs> totally, totally. Thank you for being here. This has been fantastic. I appreciate you and your work, Tori, and I appreciate you spending time with us today.
1: Well, thank you, Sarah. I appreciate
0: you, too. Take care.